Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Mary Lawless Lee of Happily Gray, a curated collection of fashion, kids, home, and accessories from Mary's favorite brands and designers. Listen as Mary shares stories from building her personal digital presence and converting that into a customer and audience base. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mary Lawless Lee of Happily Gray. Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Of course. Well, I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, Where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? So I grew up in East Texas in a very, very small town, Marshall, Marshall, Tyler area, about two hours from Dallas. And, you know, my childhood was almost like living in this land of Narnia. We grew up on a farm, 500 Mm. acres out in the middle of nowhere. I have three other brothers and sisters, and there was this like deep sense of discovery every single day. Like we would spend from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. We were outside, like with the cows, four wheelers, just playing. Fishing was a big part of my upbringing. So it was a very small town, a very conservative community, but um, kind of within those, that like black and white, black and white world, there was this like deep sense of discovery and creativity in that environment. Definitely. I'm curious, like at that age and that time, did you have an entrepreneurial mindset, say lemonade stands or sell any products? It sounds like you were pretty active with the family and responsibilities. Yeah, definitely. We were given a lot of responsibilities very, very early on. My dad had his own business. And so I walked as a little girl through high school, I watched him operate that. And so, yeah, I definitely think there was a big influence there. And my brother and I always had something going on. We were always building, like we were always, we were always building forts and they would be different types of businesses or different types of concepts. Um, we would make games out of fishing. I was really competitive. I was really involved in sports too in high school. And so Mm -hmm. I think that too has been an influence in kind of this entrepreneurial space, like that grit and that drive. Definitely. Yeah, I would love to dive into that. Um, what sports, especially when you progressed into high school and then maybe perhaps college, uh, what sports were you into? Um, how did that have an influence on your, your work? Yeah, so I went to a small school, very like I said, small town. And so kind of with that, you had the ability to do all, all sports, opposed yeah. to being like, like a 5A. Um, so I played softball. We actually, that was kind of the main one. I was the catcher, which no one ever believes. Um, <laughs> but I loved, I was always like the one, like the most dirty, the one that was like, I just loved the hustle. And and I've always kind of had this motto, like working hard, kind of, I might not be the best, but I'm definitely going to work the hardest and that's going to make me the best yeah. type motto. And so we actually won state. Um, and we went, were, went back to state. So that was a big sport for us. We played it year round. I traveled, but I also did volleyball, competitive cheerleading, gymnastics. Um, what else? I, I took piano for a bit. My parents just had us really busy yeah. and I love the team camaraderie and I learned a lot through sports. I really think that that was a huge influence in my life. As I was kind of like preparing myself to go to college, with college, I actually studied nursing and I just felt like nursing, I just couldn't, I could hardly keep my head above water. It was such an intense study that Mm. that was really my focus. That was my group. Um, I did a little bit of intramural sports like for um, leisure, but nothing too crazy. But I do love running. I also ran cross country in, in high school and that's a big passion of mine as well. Amazing. 
I'm curious then, uh, going into college, um, going into nursing, what were some of your aspirations going into school and then also upon graduation? Did you end up uh, working in healthcare or how did that play out? Yeah, yeah. So I knew like as a, as a little girl, I knew I wanted to take care of people. That was my, my greatest passion. Um, I kind of like filtered into like this motherhood. I was obsessed with the kids and being a mom. And I always thought I would be this neonatal nurse or mm. work with kids in some vicinity. And um, so that was, it was a very clear path that that's what I was going to do. Um, and I, you know, I think that, you know, that I, I went to school for critical care nursing. I worked in um, cardiovascular ICU for seven years at the, in the Texas Medical Center and also at Vanderbilt in Nashville. Mm. And, you know, that job taught me more about life um, in, in a deep emotional way. And then also just in like the day-to-day grind as well. I developed mm. true grit and true gratitude in a way that I could have never, ever have received anywhere else. And so that's yeah. a I attribute my seven years as a critical care nurse is playing a big role into where I am now and kind of mm. stepping into a totally different digital media world that I'm in now. Yeah, certainly. I'd love to get into that as well. Um, kind of the digital media landscape that you've built with your personal brand. Um, how did that begin to get established and gain that credibility, especially if you're in critical care for this long? Were you building this portfolio in this time or how did that look? Yeah, so it was, to be honest, it was um, very organically. So I've always loved to write. Mm. I wrote when I was a little girl. I've journaled all my life. Um, I I just finished my first book and um, published end of last year. But, you know, I've been writing my entire life. And so I think once I got my feet under me in nursing, you know, the good thing about nurses' schedules is you work three, maybe four days a week. And so I had this extra time. And I'm just one of these people that I, I can't sit still. And so... I immediately started writing a ton and I was writing about fashion. That was kind of my creative outlet, what I was most passionate about at that time. And mm-hmm. I paid my one of my good friends $50 to start a website called Happily Gray. Wow. The name was heavily influenced by kind of growing up in this conservative black and white town upbringing mindset. And through my early 20s, this discovery that life is not so black and white. It's actually gray. And there's mm. this, um, I, there was this like, very um, amazing creativity that I found through all of that. But um, yeah, so that, that was kind of the journey that, that started, you know, entering this digital media world. It was before Instagram and Pinterest had launched. So you can imagine like there was no motive. It was just me writing and writing about fashion, but people were listening and everywhere I would go, people would say like, Oh, I love what you're wearing. Where did you get that? And so that kind of triggered this, this idea of, Oh, I need a picture to go with, with writing um, these articles about these trends. And so I quickly just started asking friends, my family at the time to take these like pictures. But again, this was prior to Instagram and Pinterest. And so, yeah, but then when these platforms launched, it that really just like ignited the whole concept. It was really exciting to me. Um, I started posting on Instagram and Pinterest and my friends and everyone around me were like, what are you doing? What is going on? And truly, it was just a creative outlet. But yeah. about a year into those platforms is when I realized, oh, wow, this is there's real opportunity here. And, um, I started getting a little bit more strategic with, with mm. the types of content and how I was laying it out. And, and then it really started taking on a big part of my life outside of, every, you know, anytime I was at the hospital. Yeah, certainly. Wow. You were really like an early establisher on these platforms. I'm curious, 
uh, when you get on there, how did that strategy work? When you, you first launched on the website, did you take these photos and try to funnel to the blogs and to the website that you were writing? Mm -hmm. How did that kind of like funnel work? So yes, initially it was to happilygray.com, but then I quickly learned that Pinterest, Pinterest was essentially driving all of my traffic and mm -hmm. followers. I was getting so many new followers through Pinterest. And so I would post on Instagram, but then we would, we would really shoot and the whole creative concept would be geared towards Pinterest. Vertical images worked better. It had to be like three fourths of my body. It, it just was, it became like a a formula on how to shoot for Pinterest. And then we would always link back to my website. And so we gained a lot of email subscribers, um, people that just like really de devoutly followed the brand. And then kind of through that, like secondary, we started pushing Instagram because Instagram at that point, I feel like Pinterest was the focus. And then kind of Instagram started to take on a life of its own. So that was, yeah. we, it was kind of like funneled and snowballed through Pinterest, but then the secondary to that was Instagram. Mm, got it. Um, at this, are these early days, how did monetizing work or was this really just, uh, just what you enjoyed doing? Was there no monetization? And then how did that eventually happen? Did you partner with these brands? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. I quickly found, I, once I realized like, oh, wow, this is one, this is here to stay. Brands mm -hmm. are listening and they're now putting budget behind, uh, behind the, you know, these campaigns that it just, it, I quickly caught on and, and I thought, wow, this is, this is exciting. This is fun. And I, I couldn't turn it off. Um, and it wasn't until, so I slowly um, went part-time PRN at the hospital. And then once I finally was able to completely stop working at the hospital, and it was, I mean, it was a very scary jump. People mm -hmm. around me were like, what are you doing? They still didn't understand this, this new world that I was kind of, you know, playing around with. And yeah. um, I, it, it, but at the time I, I was digital media, that world, far outweighed the salary that I made with, with nursing. And when I was able to completely quit nursing, focus on digital media, that's when I really started to monetize. I started traveling a lot. That was when kind of like the travel content gained a lot of interest. I would travel to all these different cities, create these city guides, this beautiful imagery. I mean, right yeah. now things have definitely pivoted, but back then it was all about you know, this beautiful art, artistic image and mm. um, the, the, the perfect look and the perfect setting. And so I was able to kind of, you know, create this story and this emotion and this picture. Mm. And, um, and then also through that, sell these clothes. Wow. And it was all data driven. Uh, you know, I, we, I, at that time I was working with LTK, which is an massive affiliate company in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to see like what people were buying, when they were buying, what colors they were buying, the price points, the price per shopping cart. I just knew everything about my customers. So I would lean into that. And you know, that's really hasn't changed over the last 10 years. We still do that to this day. And mm. um, that's a big part of now having my own brands. We've really taken a lot of that data that we've accumulated over the last decade and, and put that into de development on mm. private product side. Mm. Amazing. How would you describe that customer or your audience as well that shops at Happily Gray and has it evolved from the early days to now? What does that look like? Definitely. It has evolved because I do think that the one cool thing about being in this space is as your life, you know, you're kind of growing up with your community and with your readers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you enter, like as, as you get your first home, 
you start, you know, bringing in interior content. And then when you get married and, you know, I remember when I first started talking about skincare, I was like 25 because I could first for the first time afford nice skincare. And so I, you know, I think that evolution has progressed as I've gotten older and, and authentically to my lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it is wild to see that reader kind of grow up with you through that experience. Mm. Uh, but that's, that's the fun part too. And, and I think that's the key too, is it has to feel authentic. It has to feel, you know, honest, the, the deep sense of honesty to whatever is actually happening then and there. Certainly. Yeah. So getting into kind of the brand side and the products that you do curate and maybe the, the guides, uh, what do you look for when bringing something on to Happily Gray? What is like the criteria that you look for? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think back to your, even your last question too, that I think what, what our customers look for is a sense of discovery. Mm. So we opened, I opened my first brick and mortar in Nashville three years ago, two months before the pandemic. Oh wow! Uh, so that was interesting. We, we opened January 31st, the pandemic, um, we, per pandemic, we closed like end of March. Oh my goodness. So huge, huge shift and pivot, a mm. massive learning experience, um, moving our business to e-com at that time and getting mm. everything online. But I think what, you know, the whole passion behind opening this store was to provide this, this physical experience to this digital world that, that we'd created. And so I think that, you know, we really try to lean into the sense of discovery. We bring in very niche small and a lot of them are international or local kind of one extreme or the other mm -hmm. but hopefully stuff that you're not seeing at nordstrom you're not seeing at the massive retailers yeah. and that it feels creative it feels different it's very small it's very specific and it's very intentional and so that's um th that's what i excites me and that's what we've been we've just been really excited to share and mm -hmm. seen such a great response is is leaning into you know those little unique bits that make happily gray you know the essence you know the heart of what it really is yeah certainly so how does the fulfillment side work um i know it started a lot as affiliate mm -hmm. but do you do any fulfillment now at happily gray or is it affiliate you know, what's that like yeah we do a lot of fulfillment mm. <laughs> so we're eventually going to move to a 3pl and hopefully God, I hope that happens this year because it's yeah. hard to keep up with. But um, yeah, so at our we, we have our brick and mortar in West Nashville. Uh, on the, the outskirts of our brick and mortar is our office. We have a team of nine here in Nashville, and we run all of our own fulfillment for our store. Wow. We also have a skincare brand that the, um, we do all of our own fulfillment there as well. So a lot of fulfillment. We now have like a small, mighty team that handles that. And, you know, that's just been a massive learning curve. Someone asked me the other day, like, how did you know how to do all that? And I'm like, you just learn as you go. You yeah. ask a lot of questions. I have great mentors, people that have been so kind to, you know, answer my questions and give me their time. But we've had a lot of like hiccups and messed up a lot. And that's, you know, learning through those, those hurdles has been mm -hmm. the key, but lots of fulfillment. Certainly. Uh, yeah, for the listeners' POV, what, what's that, that experience, that customer journey like? If they were to go on Happily Gray today, um, what's that product curation and selection like? Is it just like shopping D2C uh, for their clothes today for any other brand? Yeah, so it's so we're primarily geared towards women. Um, we have apparel, um, a little bit of home, a little bit of 
I mean, it really mimics what you see on Happily Gray. And so anything that I would put in my home, anything I would put in my closet, on my vanity, have a little bit of skincare, a lot of jewelry and accessories, that's what you're going to experience and see at Happily Gray. I started having kids four years ago, and so now there's a kid section at Happily Gray that does really well for us. And mm. um, most of it is curated product, but really the concept with this store from the beginning was to eventually have a mix of private and curation. Mm. And kind of through the 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 hurdle of the pandemic and having to pivot um that's taken a little bit longer than what i'd hope but mm. we also launched our first skincare brand at the end well yeah a little over a year ago wow it's, it's wow. wild to even say that and so that's been a huge focus for us and we do sell our private skincare line in the store we have a private candle and this year we will also be launching other private products so Amazing. we're getting there so it should feel like this mix of curation and um developing yeah. the happily gray label that's amazing I don't know if this is in the pipeline at all, but you mentioned pre-COVID mm -hmm. that you have the brick and mortar. Do you see the possibility of opening another um, in the future? I've been asked that so many times. Um, yeah. Um, and I had some real conversations around it. I think right now our focus is, is you know, developing that line, that private label. Mm -hmm. I would like to see that have more legs to it yeah. and then um, being able to further launch more of our ideas with our skincare brand. Mm -hmm. So yes, the answer to that question is yes, I do hope so. But I think right now we, we launched so much last year. We did so much last year. It's really about nourishing what's in place yeah. and, you know, following that through and, and growing these, these new verticals that we have right now. Mm, amazing. Well, I I would also like to ask, how would you um, compare Happily Great to maybe some of your competitors? I'm not sure what that kind of category would look like for you, but what would you say? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that to me, what I hope that people would, would say is that there's this um, authenticity and uniqueness to to it. We don't like I, I, I if it's at Nordstrom, if it's next door, you know, we, we will not I won't look at it. And I think mm -hmm. that. I want, I want the takeaway to be a sense of discovery. I want our, mm -hmm. our consumer, our, our community, our reader to feel like they learn something and they gain something. And mm -hmm. in order for that to happen, you have to be really, you know, careful with what we're putting in and what we're writing about and every, every, you know, angle of it. And so mm -hmm. I want there to be this warmth and this familiarity and trust and honesty um, but at the same time, this, this sense of discovery and, um, and kind of unveiling of, of something new and maybe you learn something about yourself or you, yeah. I, I think it's, you know, with our skincare brand with Nima, we, we've developed these products that we hope will help elicit emotions. I think women want to feel that emotion with the products that they're sitting out on their vanity mm. and, and, you know, design comes into play there. Copyright comes into play there. And so we've just been really careful with every aspect of, of both of our um, brands on mm. how we create and elicit that emotion for women. Mm. Certainly. It was such an amazing journey on really community building, and I love the stress on discovery. I'd love to have you have the opportunity to talk about the new book as well. Um, what inspired you to write the new book? Um, and it really is it's around your journey. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. A lot of what we've been talking about today, uh, especially chapter one, opens at my hometown, my upbringing that had, has had such a big influence on who I am today. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, I someone asked me the other day how how long did it take to write this book and. It took about a year to physically write the book, but 
in a way, I feel like I've been writing this book since I was like 11. Yeah. Like underneath, in my bed, underneath the covers of the flashlight, I, I have loved and to, to, to write journaling has, you know, been this sort of meditation and, mm. um, throughout my entire life and still is. And so it was never, if I was going to write a book, it was kind of when, and even if I had to self publish, even if no one bought it, I was going to write it. And so yeah. this book for me is really the other side of the story. I, for the last decade, I've been able to share kind of the highlight reel of, of my life. And this tells the other side of that story, mm. you know, the, the struggles, it, it, it is a step into vulnerability and, um, hoping that I'll find connection and community, you know, and, and yeah. really stepping into some of those, the, those, those harder stories, mm. the not so Instagram worthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Amazing. Well, I'd like to wrap up each episode with this. If you can share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, Maybe something you've learned or regret along the way. What would you say mm. that would be? Great question. Um, two things. I always think about any, anyone moving in an entre- entrepreneurial space, you have to be really passionate about what you're doing because it takes so much grain and, and grit and, um, and gratitude for it. Uh, you have to have that deep passion or it, mm. it will not work. There is, we, I've had the hardest days I've had, you know, with building a skincare brand and without me knowing without a doubt, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where, what I'm supposed to be doing. I think that, you know, it would have been hard to get through some of that, those times. Yeah. And then the other thing I will say that I, I constantly have to remind myself of every day is, don't wait till it's perfect to jump in. Um, I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of us can 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 be also perfectionists in that way. And so, um, especially now, also being on the creative side, it's hard to let something go if it's not perfect. And yep. um, but you can't get paralyzed by that process. And so, I think a big part of of entrepreneurs that do it well are the doers that can jump in and mm-hmm. they know the right time to jump in. And so that's something I'm learning and and trying to get better at. Yeah, certainly. Amazing. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Happily Gray at shophappilygray.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.